I'm excited to be here. I'm sorry I couldn't bring my family. We're, uh, we're going to be in for furlough a little, a little later this, this year in June, and, uh, and our time is a little cut short a little bit. So I was thankful that uh, you know, I just made a couple phone calls and said I'd love to share, and, and your pastor's like, man, he gave up the pulpit, and that, that never happens. So, but thank you for an opportunity just to share what's going on in, in Haiti uh, on year two of our lives. Um, if, I could, if I could just uh, sum it up, um, I would say that, that God has been faithful. Um, we, we've seen lots of turmoil, tor, uh, turmoil, turmoil this year in our lives, but, um, but He has been faithful to us. So this morning I want to talk about God's faithfulness, but uh, I guess first I want to just remind you who I am and, and what I do in Haiti and then talk about our mission for a couple minutes and, and how you can get involved if you want. And then we're going to open God's Word. And like we should, we're going to listen to it and we're going to enjoy it and we're going to grow from it. So um, my name's Mar Deering. I have a, you know, I apologize. I just, a lady saw my iPad, my iPad a couple minutes ago and said, wow, it's had a rough life. And I was like, I have children. <laughs> Do I need to say any more? So uh, my, my laptop, I came, I came in for a conference, and when I'm gone, while I was gone, my kids turned over my laptop, and, and basically it was smashed with uh, pictures and stuff, and so it's in the process of getting fixed, and this is on its last leg, actually, so I'm, I'm lucky to even have notes this morning, but, um, so I'm sorry I don't have any pictures. But anyway, my family, we're a family of five. And um, we, we've, we've been in Haiti now almost two years, May 29th. I, I served at First Baptist North Vernon before I, before I left. And um, I serve as the manager of Mountain Maid. Uh, so what I do, I have about 40 employees, Haitians, that are, uh, I work with. And we have a restaurant for, uh, for folks to come up and visit. We have a store. And in that store, uh, it's called it's self-help. So basically, we employ artisans. We teach them. A skill, maybe how to carve or how to paint. Uh, some ladies we've taught how to sew. And, and then they make items for us, and we sell them to, to teams that come in, and we even have an online store. So uh, there's the store. We also have a bakery that uh, we, we have on our, our, uh, in Mount Maid as, long as, as well as a, a pepinier, which means a greenhouse. So those are the four areas that I work with. Uh, every morning we do a devotion with our employees, and I mentor three or four men. Uh, that come to those devotions. Afterwards, I spend about 45 minutes with them. And then I teach Sunday school there uh, and the mission as well at the, 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 local, the local church or the, the church that's on mission. So that's, that's kind of what I do. Uh, my wife helps me at Mountain Maid. She's also uh, our teacher to our children. And um, she does a lot of the online orders and helps make the store look pretty. You know how women do that? Like I put, I arrange things, and then she comes behind me and rearranges things, and then they look much nicer. That's yeah, that's what she does, and she's good at it. So, um, my uh, my son, he's the water carrier for us, and uh, he, uh, my my little child Blake, is the mail carrier. She ta- he picks the she picks up the mail at the mail room and delivers to everybody. And then I have a little girl named Lydia, and she's the zookeeper. She loves animals, and we have, you know, a crocodile and some birds and benny, uh, bunnies and guinea pigs. And um, we're actually in the, trying to get, not a llama, but a, um, it's like a llama. Alpaca. Who said alpaca? Man, you're good. Sheesh. So uh, anyway, that, that's kind of what my family does in the mission. 
Uh, we're all about uh, the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, and trying to disciple others while providing um, a, a, an income uh, for the Haitians so their church can then be also be can also uh, have an income. So uh, that's what we do. Our mission, let me tell you a little bit about our mission. I'm already born, yeah, I can tell. Are we going to open the Bible soon? Yes, we're going to. But our, our mission, um, we have about 350 churches all over Haiti. Uh, that we, we're kind of almost like a state convention that we oversee, overlook. They, they need that. They need that. Um, only about half of the population in Haiti can read. In the early 40s, it was about 2%. So uh, it's growing. And that's why with the 350 churches we have, they are attached. We have a school attached to them. So almost 320 schools are attached to the 350 churches. They're not in big cities. We, uh, our mission has chosen to go out to the county, if you will, in the rural areas and set up these churches and these schools so every child has an opportunity to, to get an education. Um, so uh, they're on the mission. Uh, we have a hospital, that, uh, and, and we, then we have three clinics spread out around, around Haiti in different areas. Uh, there's also a, a high-level uh, master's program there. You can get a master's of Christian education or a theology degree there, there at the mission. Um, on top of that... We have a, a camp system uh, that we bring children to that's at a different location that sees uh, about four or 5,000 people each year where they can uh, hear the gospel and, and be uh, discipled and learn. And then, of course, we have Mountain Made on the mission as well where it's a self-help project. We try to, um, we talk to, help, we try to give the, the Haitians a hand by giving them a, uh, a skill. So uh, that's about what the mission is. Um, how can you help? Um, you know, I should probably tell you what's going on, shouldn't I? Is God moving in Haiti? Well, you should know the background of Haiti. About a hundred years ago, one of the presidents stood up and said, we give this country to Satan. Uh, it's a voodoo. Uh, voodoo is a part of one of the religions there. And it wasn't too long ago that our past president, seeing the one-year anniversary of this, stood up and said, we... We continue this. We, we acknowledge that voodoo is part of the religion here. And again, we, we lift this up to you, Satan. And thank you. So uh, it's a dark place. But God still moves. So uh, as our churches are, are finally learning how to work together, uh, we've seen people come to Christ. Um, there's teachings that go on that we are promoting. We, we go to an area and all the churches come together and they proclaim the, the doctrine of sin and, and we try to give them good, solid teaching. And we, the, just the last event that we had, we saw like 67 Haitians come to know the Lord. Um, so we see things happening all over Haiti that are good. Um, but there's a lot of bad happening. Uh, even after two years of being there, we've seen the good, which is its measure of, of the, its dollar. When I got there, the good was 44.5 to a U.S. dollar. Now it's 62. So the inflation there has been about 50% in two years. So uh, pretty massive stuff going on. Uh, there's political unrest. <laughs> they didn't elect a president like they're supposed to, so they elected this short-time president. And his cabinet was supposed to finish the election, election and that, has, that, that date has come and gone. And so everybody wants power, but nobody wants to help. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, 
What can you do? One, you could pray. First and foremost, I encourage you to, to lift up uh, Haiti as a country and then Baptist Haiti Mission as we try to proclaim the gospel and, and disciple uh, even the pastors that are, are there in Haiti so they could proclaim truth, not just, uh, you know, a lot of the pastors will peach out of the gospels uh, or a story format. They don't have a lot of formal education, so they stick with the basics. So uh, they, they need more. They need more. And uh, God can supply that. So uh, pray for Haiti. Uh, pray for the, 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 um, the economic issues. Pray for the leadership. Pray for spiritual leaders to rise up and guide. Um, and if that's not enough, you want to give? Well, you can give. At Haiti, we have, like we have 320 schools. So you can sponsor a child for like $25 a month. You get online at Baptist Haiti Mission. This is what I do to make it easy. I Google Baptist Haiti Mission sponsor child, and it comes up. And so uh, you can get online and sponsor child, and you could have a relationship with them that will help with their, their clothing and help with their school books. And you're going to be discipling them as well as they have Bible every day in, in the school um, and they're learning English as well. So they're given some, some skills to help them. So you can give. You can give to the mission. Or, so you, could, you can pray. You could pray and give. Or you could come pray and give. And we encourage you to, to come to Haiti and to uh, bring a team and to do a project on the mission or to do a project uh, with a school or a church. Uh, one of my other roles is uh, uh, I'm the church partnership guy, if you will. So uh, we're trying to partner American church with Haitian churches. So you, don't, you just don't do a one and done and go, oh, I'm glad we could meet you. But you build a long-term relationship with a, a Haitian church or a Haitian district, and you go around and you learn from each other. And it's a true partnership. You see how they live. You see how deep their faith is. You see how they, they pray to survive. And, and we, um, we have an abundance, so we can give. And we can could, we could help them um, create um, a strong foundation for years to come for them. And teaching. You can come and teach. It's something that's needed. So um, those are some of the ways that you could help at Baptist Haiti Mission. Now let me tell you, um, let me tell you about what's going on in our lives. I told you this year has been a, a year of God's faithfulness to us. Um, and he has been faithful. But uh, shortly after I came back last year, I was diagnosed with uh, Berger's disease, which is something that attacks my kidneys. Um, so unexpected, didn't know anything, you know, uh, didn't expect anything like that. And I only found out because I came to renew my CDL so I could keep my truck driver's license. Uh, and, and lo and behold, that letter came on purpose. You need to renew your medical license. And I could see that I had a, an issue. So uh, that, that uh, came as a surprise to us, and part of our trip was cut short because I had to do a kidney biopsy and some other things. But then, you know, when I got back to the mission, I was assigned a new position, something I didn't really want to be doing. I felt like God had called me to disciple, and uh, I wasn't discipling. I didn't like that. So, um, you know, put in positions that I didn't want to be put in. And then the position I put into, uh, the, the employees did not want to to follow um, the authority that had been placed on them. They didn't want to do crazy things, simple things. Uh, so had issues there. Um, had issues with our board. Um, I'm not sure we are, if you know this, but crossing or um, 
Baptist Haiti Mission used to be an independent organization. At one point, it was American Baptist. At one point, it was Southern Baptist. And then, most recently, it was independent. When the last year, there has been a takeover, not a takeover, but a, a, a switch of power. We actually are underneath crossings, the camp that you're going to now. The board is composed of mostly um, Kentucky Baptist. Uh, so um, Paul Chitwood is on that board. David Milber uh, used to be the CEO of Crossings is on that board and others. So uh, lots of changes. And, and then um, uh, back in, in August, uh, we found out that we were expecting um, a child. Very exciting news. And we lost that child. Uh, God chose to take that child. And so we've had lots and lots of, of, of turmoil this year, but God has been faithful. And uh, we've come to realize that he is good. Uh, he has a better plan than we could ever. And uh, we've, we've learned that, um, that he never wastes pain. He always has a purpose in mind. He doesn't enjoy to see his, his people, his family, his children in pain, but he uses that. He uses it as a tool to grow us. You know, we never understood, uh, you know, when people had miscarriages, we didn't understand the pain that people go through, the suffering. It's really opened our eyes to, uh, to, to ladies and the hardships that they have. Uh, one in four ladies have a miscarriage when you, when you are pregnant. One in four ladies have a miscarriage about 20 weeks. A quarter of pregnancies end in miscarriage. And then ladies, one in three, have, have, uh, they choose to, to cancel or to terminate a pregnancy. One in three ladies will have an abortion. So um, it's really opened our eyes to a new ministry, to, to another way to love and to assist. And so, um, and, you know, and even at the mission, uh, I, I've learned um, that I can, I can demonstrate the gospel and I could be, I could disciple by, by doing the jobs that I have. And it, it, it teaches. And it's a way to, uh, to grow these people who need to be grown. And so um, God has been good. And so this morning I want to talk about uh, a story about God's faithfulness. Um, I want us to turn over to the book of 1 Samuel, uh, ch- chapter 17. Um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna see th- this 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 story, and this is the story of David and Goliath, is just filled with uh, with good teaching. And so uh, I tell you what, I'll I don't I don't really. The clock says one. Still, I haven't used any time. It's amazing. Just uh, oh oh really? Well, you could look at it, but it's one o'clock. Still one o'clock. So, uh, but anyway, let's, let's, let's get into this. And, and I, I really, um, you know, we can go everywhere to talk about God's faithfulness, can't we? We, we read God's word. Genesis 3, God is faithful, you know, to, to uh, Adam and Eve. He provides them uh, a covering from their sin. And then we look to Genesis 6, 7, and 8, and we see a story of God's faithfulness in the flood. Uh, he, he, he preserves mankind, and we see God's faithfulness to Israel and that he doesn't destroy it, but he rebuilds Israel and, and rebuilds the temple. And we see God's story of faithfulness here in 1 Samuel as uh, God is faithful to David. And this isn't just a story of God's faithfulness to David, but it's a story of God's faithfulness to us. 
So we'll see that. But it's also a story about how to overcome obstacles. So um, I tell you what, like, like, like Pastor said, oh, it's okay. It's okay. So I'm just going to continue. Um, just real quick, I think this is important for me. Uh, this has been a real help for my life and just how, how to overcome obstacles. And I see how David overcome an obstacle. So real quick, if I could just teach, talk about that and then we'll get on God's faithfulness. So uh, I would love to tell the story. Uh, do we all know the story of David and Goliath? Are we good on that? Okay, so if, if not, then go home and read it and go, oh, it all makes sense now. So yeah, it all makes sense. So um, we, we know it starts by David going to uh, the camp of the Philistines. He's been sent by his father. And as he gets there, um, Goliath comes out and uh, makes, makes this, uh, this, this war cry and says, hey, come, come fight me. Uh, there's no need for us all armies to fight, just send one person. And of course, when the Israelites heard that, they ran and they hid, including Saul, their king. Uh, they, were all, they were all scared. And David sees this as an obstacle. Israel is God's chosen people. The country that the Philistines are coming to, to attack is, belongs to Israel. And so he sees this as an obstacle he actually says, who are these uncircumcised Philistines that they should taunt the armies of the living God? So understand, David sees the obstacle. You know, and that's one of the biggest problems in our own lives. We don't see the hindrance. We don't see the sin in our lives that's separating us from God. And as the rest of the army didn't see this, this obstacle, David saw it. And I just want to let you know, you've got, this is half the battle. When your eyes are opened and you see what's separating you from what is God's best and his desire for you. So you've got to see that obstacle. And David saw it. He saw it. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? He saw it. Not only did he see it, he didn't back down. Sometimes we see that some sin, they just, it seems too powerful for us. And we, just, we, we, we tend to back down from it. But David sees the obstacle and he starts to talk about it. And eventually his brothers call him out and say, you're just here to see the battle. And then he's brought before the king. And he tells the king, I'll go and fight. The king says, you're too small. No, 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 no. You understand. I see the obstacle. And I'm not going to back down. I'm going to remove it. I'm going to remove it. So he saw an obstacle. He didn't back down. And then, uh, you know what? He, he uses his past experience for future activity. You know, he talks, he talks to the king. He says, you know, uh, once upon a time, some, uh, some bears and lions came and attacked my father's lambs, and I went. And God gave me victory over the lion and the bears. And today, God will give me victory over Goliath. So he, he thought of his past, God's past faithfulness, and God was faithful again. So uh, we've got to, if we want to overcome an obstacle, we've got to remember uh, that God is faithful, and he will provide us victory and he wants us to be closer to him not only that um he went into battle prepared if you remember the story uh Saul tried to give him all this armor and stuff and he said no I've never tested these I've never tested them I'm going into battle with what I know what I've been prepared in so he took a sling and he took most importantly the Lord the Lord will give me victory today the Lord so we went in prepared for battle um, and then, you know, next he relied on, relied on God for the victory. 
Um, and we see that. You know, the Philistine taunts David. And David says, you come to me with all this stuff. But I came to you in the name of the Lord God. The armies of Israel, who you have defied this day. Today, I'm going to kill you. So he went in with uh, preparing for victory, but not on his own behalf, but on God. So we have an obstacle. We need to go to the Lord and rely on Him for the victory. We're always going to fall short because we're human and we're sinners. Not only that, um, notice that David, seeing the obstacle in his way, ran towards the battle line. If you, if you look to the text, after they, they discuss uh, who's going to win and who's going to kill who, Goliath moves forward to the battle to, to, to come towards David. And it says that David ran quickly towards the battle line. So we get this picture that David sees the obstacle and he refuses to let that sin separate him from what God's best is. And he runs toward it to finish it, to, to kill it. And of course, that's the last point. When there's an obstacle between you and God, you need to kill it. And this is what David does. He doesn't simply knock down Goliath. But if you look at the text, it says that David killed Goliath with a stone. But then the, the, the text goes on to say, so he took out Goliath's sword and he cut his head off. So understand, understand he, he has totally annihilated this, this obstacle. It's never again going to be separate, something that separates him from God. So, so I hope you could reread that story and, and just take those, those thoughts, but um, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good um, how to overcome obstacles. Uh, we need that. We need to see it. It's, it's biblical and it's good. This morning I want to talk about God's faithfulness. And so, uh, you know, we all know the story of David. Uh, he was the youngest of how many? Eight. He's the youngest of eight. I think he was the youngest of eight. Uh, and so, uh, being the youngest, he got the job of shepherd boy. Um, he got to go out the, the, to, to hang out with the sheep every day. And this is kind of a lowly position. Nobody wanted it. And of course, while he's out there, um, while he's out there, he encounters... And the scripture says, when he's talking to, to uh, David or to King Saul... Um, In verse 34, David said to Saul, Your servant used to kill, used to keep sheep for his father. And when they were, when they, um, this is verse 17, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there was a lion or a bear and, uh, and, and, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of its mouth. For it, he, and if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions, I didn't see that until last night. I thought it was a lion and a bear. Your servant has struck down lions <laughs> and bears. And these uncircumcised Philistines shall be like one of them. So we have David out in the field tending for the flock, and he's had multiple encounters with, with lions and bears. And he's, he's, he's went... <laughs> I don't want to be in front of a lion. I'm not sure if you guys, you know, 600 pounds of raw uh, muscle and teeth, hungry, 
um, <laughs> a killer, uh, and, and bears. But I want you to see this story how David has been prepared by God. He's been out with these sheep. He's been taught how to be a shepherd. Not only to just sheep, but to people. He, he knows how to protect them. He's been taught to protect the sheep. And, and now he, he's had to fight lions and bears. And so just go with me quickly. Move forward to the battle. David comes to the battle as dad sends him on a mission to be a servant. And he gets there. When he gets there, he sees the Philistine come out. And the Philistine makes his battle cry. There's no need for everybody to fight. Just send one person to me. You kill me, we'll be your servants. I kill you, you'll be our servants. It's pretty simple. And David, seeing the fear in the eyes of the Israelites, says, I'll fight this guy. Everybody else is running and hiding. And David, being a shepherd, a care of the flock, stands up and says, don't let your heart fail on account of this guy. I'll go. Because he's been prepared to be a shepherd. To be a king. He's been prepared to look out for the sheep. Israel. And he's been prepared to fight huge lions and bears. Or in this case, a Philistine. So see how, I want you to see how God has prepared him. It wasn't just an accident that lions and bears came to David and, and his faith was tested. It was God's plan. I'm going to prepare you for a bigger battle. <laughs> One that seems unimaginable. And it's just like God to defeat a Philistine with a little boy. Isn't it amazing? You know, Isaiah 55 verse 10 says, You know, your ways are not my ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, God didn't cause Israel to be born with a nine-foot giant so they could defeat the other nine-foot giant. God takes this little rudy boy and he kills this nine-foot giant. It's amazing, isn't it? And God is preparing you for things just like this. Your, your activities are not normal. They're extraordinary for you. Just as David has been prepared to be a leader, a, f a shepherd, and to fight, um, we've been prepared for that as well. And I can see that. I can see that in my own life now. God's faithfulness and how He is using every activity in my life to prepare me for the next stage. And I can't help, I'm a math teacher. I know there's at least one teacher in here, though she likes animals and stuff. Um, but in math, um, you know, the first thing you do is to learn how to count. And you learn how to use the numbers. And then after that, you learn how to add and subtract. You know, once you know your numbers, you could add and subtract. Once you could add, you could multiply and divide. And, and everything builds. You know, you, you can't divide and multiply if you can't add. You can't add, you can't write your numbers, you know. Uh, you can't, you can't. So it all builds, and this is exactly... What's happening in our lives? God is, is growing us. We're learning to, to read numbers. We're learning to add. We're learning to multiply. We're learning higher 
processes, and it's, it's a process of God's growing us. So, um, but like I said, this story isn't just about God's faithfulness to David and how God prepared David for this, this one battle. This story, <laughs> this story is a picture of the gospel. And I don't use that word lightly. It's a picture of what is going to happen. It's a picture of God's plan and his faithfulness to his people. What we tend to do with this story is we tend to look at David. And we tend to look at how David trusted uh, God and how David provided a victory. How, sorry, how God provided a, a victory for David. But I want you to look deeper this morning. I want you to look deeper. Because in, 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 in 1 Samuel 16... We see a picture that David is anointed king. Remember, Samuel comes to visit Jesse. And, and in the process, I think Jesse gets a little concerned. Well, why are you here? Well, just, just to worship. <laughs> you know, just to worship. And by the way, I'm here to anoint a king. But, you know, keep that quiet. We still got a king in Israel. But I'm here to anoint a king. And we know what happens. All the sons go before Jesse. And, and Samuel says, no, it's none of these. So they go and they get David, a shepherd boy. And he comes in and Samuel says, it's him. Anoint him. So he's anointed king with oil right there in the, prem, the, the, the presence of Samuel. And, uh, you know, he's a king with no throne. He's been anointed king but he's not in his position of king yet. It's still to come. And then you fast forward. And his father sends David, the shepherd, to look out and see what's happening with his brothers. So he's sent as a servant to check. And so David obeys. And he goes. And before him he sees the battle. And in front of him, there's the Philistines who have come to, to take something that doesn't belong to them. You know, this is representative of Satan. Remember the, the thief? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life, and life more abundantly. And in this story, the Philistines, Goliath, is, they've come to take what is not theirs. They've come to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But anyway, David shows up on the battle scene. And as he's there, he hears this Philistine stand up and say, there's no need for all of us to fight. Aren't you a man and I'm a man? Bring one person to me and let's fight. If he kills me, we'll be your servants. But if I kill you, you'll be our servants. You'll be our slaves. And do you remember what happened? All the people fled. Even Saul, their king. They went and they hid. You know, think about us as a people. You know, there's this giant in front of us. It's called sin. And we're defeated by it. There is no victory apart from Jesus Christ. We're hopeless. There is no hope. And that's what the Israelites saw. Do you see this man? Nine foot. The scripture talks about how he had, he had um, armor that weighed like 125 pounds. He had a spear that weighed like 20 pounds. I mean, I, I couldn't throw that 15 feet, you know, and he's 
lunging that thing at people, throwing it. So, there's this powerful, powerful man that no one can defeat. And so the Israelites hide like we hide because we're defeated before the battle even begins. There's no hope. We're unprepared. And David steps up on stage as a shepherd, as a servant, and says, I'll, I'll fight this giant. Don't let anyone's heart fail on account of them. Do, do you see this is a picture of Jesus? He's, he comes on the scene. We have no hope. And he kills the Philistine. But understand what he's done. He kills the Philistine and he saves his people from slavery. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus has done. He steps up and he conquers a giant that none of us can conquer. Sin. And he saves his people from slavery. So when you read this story, don't don't just see how to overcome an obstacle. Don't just see how David is prepared for this, this battle and how God is faithful. But see this story of how Jesus is faithful to us. And we were in an unwinnable battle. And he steps up to the plate as a shepherd. And he kills this giant that nobody else can kill. And he saves his people from slavery. And this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. And this is exactly what we need to remember as we walk about each day of our life. That we have a Savior who's a mighty warrior. And He's a conquering hero. And He's protected us. He's died for us that we might have life. He's conquered the sin that we couldn't sin. We couldn't. We could not. And with Him there's hope. But don't just see that. See that God is going to be faithful to you like He's been faithful to me. That He's preparing you each day, each, each little test, every little encounter you have with a person that just, that just, you just want to rip their head off and, you know, and just, you know, leave me alone. This, this is preparing you for, for something. I don't know, but I know that he doesn't waste pain. I know that he doesn't like to see his people in distress. I know that he wants to turn you into something beautiful. Something in the image of his son. So, I leave this with you. God is faithful. Not just to us, but to all of mankind. How he's conquered everything for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. You, you're amazing, Lord. You have, you have done it all. All, not just for us, but for your own glory because you deserve it. So we lift you up this morning. We acknowledge that you are Lord. You are King. You are our conquering hero. We also acknowledge that we're nothing like you. We are sinners. And our only hope is you. And we thank you so much that you have paid the price. You have went to the cross. You have, you have taken our punishment. All of God's wrath was poured out on you, and because of that, we have hope. Not only because of your death, because of your resurrection. So thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I lift up these people to you this morning, and I pray that you would remind them that in this terrible time, 
And it is a terrible time. You know, we, we have presidents that I don't think anyone wants. We have, we have economic problems. We have, we, we have fears, <laughs> Lord, of, of what's going to happen to churches because we're being told that we have to, we have to, uh, we have to marry homosexuals. We're, 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 there's all kinds of things going on, Lord. But Lord, might we step back and look at who you are. Let us open your word and see your faithfulness. From the beginning to the very end, you will be faithful. Even when you come again, you will be faithful. Lord, open our eyes to this truth. And Lord, I, I, you know, I, I pray for these people. Lord, I, I pray that if, if today would be the day that you would make yourself alive to them, Lord, then I, I pray that they would be bold. And I, pro, I pray that they would stand up and, and they would confess, you are Lord. So, Lord, we give this time to you. We pray for there be a, a, just a time of meditation and of worship. And we pray that there be a time of, of confession. That you might be glorified. So we do this and we pray in the name of Jesus. And have your way, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.